Hi, my name is Kara Marie Morris, and you are listening and watching the Words and Season podcast. You can find more episodes on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, or on podcast platforms, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Remember that every time that you tune in, that Jesus has a word in season for you. This week, I want to start with a scripture in the intro, Ephesians 4.23. Ephesians 4.23 says, And you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and be made new in the attitude of your mind. So as we were born again, as we believed in our heart and confessed with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, our spirit man was made new. And now as we know, like it says in 1 Thessalonians, that we are spirit, soul, and body. Now there's something, the spirit has been made new. So now there is something that I need to do with my mind and my body. I need to put off that old self and put on new reality that he has already provided for me. So as we look into the word of God, we're gonna look at seven examples, seven attitude adjustments. Now, don't click the podcast off, don't keep listening. Seven attitude adjustments that I can make. I can change my heart posture so that I can put off the old man and put on the new man. And this is good news because these attitude adjustments are for my own good for my own life with myself, my relationship with God, and also my relationship with other people. So I wanna talk to you in starting this new series about seven attitude adjustments that I can make based on what I see in the Word of God to put off the old man and put on the new man. So thank you for tuning in, and I'll see you right after this break. So in the beginning, we looked at Ephesians 4.23 to renew the attitude, put on a new, change the attitude of my mind. So what is an attitude? An attitude is a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something. Typically, that is reflected in a person's behavior. So my behavior is an external expression of what I believe internally. So what's in my heart is going to be expressed in my thoughts, in my actions, in my words. That's how people are going to know who I'm truly following. Is it Kara that I'm following or is it Jesus Christ that I'm following? So my behavior will flow from my attitude about God, about life, about others. And that is why it's so important to put on the new attitude, to renew the mind, to, so that we can express an attitude that expresses Jesus Christ, not who I was, not the old Kara, but the new Kara in Christ Jesus. So I want to begin this series talking about seven attitude adjustments that I can make based on looking at the seven churches in Revelations. You know, the book of Revelations is, it's not a scary book. It's not a doom and gloom book for the believer, for the righteous one, which is open to anyone who would believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Savior and Lord. So we can look at these seven churches and see lots of different applications for the church as a whole, but what can it, what, how can it relate to me personally 
For me, I saw seven attitude adjustments, seven things that I can change internally so that externally people will be more likely to see Jesus in my life. So let's go to Revelations 2. Revelations 2, and the first church is to the church of Ephesus. In Revelations 2, starting in verse 1, it says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus I write these words. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among those seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds and your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but they're not, and have found them to be false. But you have persevered and have endured hardship for my name, and you have not grown weary. Yet I hold this one thing against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you've done at first. And if you don't repent, I will come to you and remove the lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And whoever has ears, let them hear what the church, what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So this scripture has so much in it. We're just going to take just a few things from this to look at what attitude adjustments I can make. So even right now, as you're beginning to listen, make that adjustment that maybe the preconceived ideas of what you've thought about the book of Revelation, go ahead and lay those aside. And let me read you this scripture, Revelations 1-3. Blessed is the one who reads these aloud, the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take heart what is written in it, because the time is near. We know that Jesus is coming soon. He is our soon coming King. And you may think, well, I've heard that my whole life. Well, praise God. I'm so grateful that you have heard that your whole life. And I pray that as we are going through this series, that it stirs your heart to see that Jesus is coming soon. Because when you really get a glimpse that Jesus is coming soon, it changes everything. It changes how you work. It changes how you speak. It changes how you love people. When you really get the revelation, it says blessed are those who reads it and blessed are those who hear it. So right now it says, um, whoever has ears, let them hear. Right now, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be flooded with light and that your ears, the ears of your spirit, not just your natural ears, but the ears of your spirit would be open. The eyes of your heart would be open to hear what the Lord has to say for you about these seven attitude adjustments. Because remember, these are good news. They're good news for us. So Jesus was commending the church of Ephesus for all of their hard work. It says that they were working for the kingdom. They were persevering. They were not tolerant of sin. They were examining the, the claims of other, other ministries and enduring trials bravely. However, they had forgotten the whole point. And how many times, if you've been a Christian for more than five minutes, more than five years, and you've served in the church, how easy it is to work for God and forget the God of the work. Jesus was saying, remember the point. The point is people. The point is serving people to point them to me. That's what Jesus was saying. So doing this without a passionate love for Jesus Christ, it weakens our power and witness for the world. You know, I look at the scripture of Revelation 2, 4, and I think, 
man, I, I grew up in church and I had amazing pastors that taught me how to serve, but it was relationship that I needed. I, I knew how to do it and look like I was doing it, but I, I needed to have my heart checked. And as my life and my relationship with God has matured, I see that 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 from that heart of knowing him it flows everything the work will flow when your heart is really in it and i used to read the scripture and think but god you you weren't my first love i had so many loves before you I, myself i loved my comfort i loved convenience so i just did enough to serve in church to feel good as a christian volunteer but then as the scripture and as revelation comes of the scripture, he's not saying you had to love me first. He's saying, put me first now. It's okay. The past is gone. Jesus has forgiven it. The blood of Jesus has covered that, that wrong attitude. And now today's a new day. So now that first love means the foremost, the best, paramount, supreme, crowning, number one. Jesus is referring to the exclusive love that has place in our hearts above all else. He is above all else. And whenever we put Jesus above all else, the work will flow from that. The work, whatever the Lord has put in your heart will flow from that. So what can steal my heart away from my first love? I mean, these are just a few things from my personal experience. Busyness. So Luke 10, 38 through 42, Jesus and his disciples were on their way and he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had been made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work for myself? Tell her to help me. And the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, and indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus didn't say the things that she was doing, the work wasn't necessary, or the work was bad, but he was saying first. Mary was seeking the Lord first, and from that place is refreshment, it's a place of joy. It's a place of peace. It's a place of exchanging anxiety for his rest so that Mary would be able to be exactly what the Lord had called her to be, his child at the feet of Jesus. And whenever you do that, that's when a change happens. And then the serving, it doesn't come as a distraction, but it comes as a natural progression of your life. So what can steal away my first love from my heart? Busyness, fear, being uh, overly critical towards my boss and my leaders. In 1 Timothy 6, 1, it says to honor that those that are in leadership. If I'm not honoring those that are leaders over me, that can steal away that first love because Jesus has placed them in my life. And if I'm treating leaders in my life as common, or with contempt, or with sarcasm, that I'm saying, you know what, Jesus, I don't think they really put, you didn't really put them in my life. They're really not that, they're not, they're no different than me. And it steals that blessing of having a leader in your life. First Timothy 6, 1, all who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect, 
so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. So stealing the first love from my heart can be dishonoring the leadership, the pastors, the mentors, the people, my boss that God has placed in my life. Idols, something that can steal my first love from my heart is putting something above him. Jeremiah 2, starting in verse 13, it says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns. And broken cisterns cannot hold water. To me, that's what it's saying is that whenever we leave the Lord, whenever we are seeking something else as our first love, whether it's a job, a career, money, another relationship where we're placing that above him, it has become an idol. He said, they have built cisterns for themselves. They have tried to build a resource of living water, but nothing can replace the living water that comes from him. It says that broken cisterns cannot hold water. It's saying that the things that are of this world, of this natural world, they're broken, they're fallen. They're flawed and they will never satisfy you. You know, an idol in my life is the thing that I will spend my money on the most, that I'll put a priority on the most, that I think about the most. That can become an idol. Even ministry can become an idol if I don't put him first. Something else that can steal my first love from my heart is forgetting the point of the gospel. First Timothy 6, 3-5. And if anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree with sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ to the godly teachers, they are conceited and understand nothing. And they have an unhealthy interest in controversies, quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of a corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that God, godliness is a means to financial gain. The point of the gospel is not to argue with people. It's not to be lost in controversies. It's not just a means of financial gain, but to remember the point of the gospel is souls. And how are we going to have a desire for souls? The only way that I will desire to tell someone about Jesus and not be so self-consumed with my own life is to get on my knees and to make sure that I have first things first, first priorities first, First love first in my life. So the things that steal the first love from my heart, it's busyness, fear, being overly critical and sarcastic, not honoring my leaders, idols, forgetting the point of the gospel, weariness, even wrong friends. In 1 Corinthians 15, 33, it says that bad company corrects good morals. If I'm hanging out with people in my life, even as an adult, this is not a teenager scripture, even as an adult, if I'm hanging out with people, if I'm surrounding myself with people, whether it's on my social media, if I'm surrounding with myself with people at my coworkers, that I'm letting them influence me more than I'm influencing them, then that can be a place where I allow Jesus to come second place. I care about their opinion more than my own opinion. If I'm looking at social media and the people on my social media are complaining, if that's what you're meditating on, if that's what you're reading every day is complain, 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 and guess what your heart meditation is going to look like? Your heart posture, your words, your thoughts. It's going to come out, complain, complain, complain. If I focus on him, 
if I keep my eyes on him as my first love, what's going to come out in my thoughts and my words and my actions? First love, first love, first love. That's what's going to come out. So the Holy Spirit, he is an expert in softening the hard parts in, in our life. So what does he tell them? And as it goes on in Revelations 2, it says that you need to repent, repent. What does that mean? It means to turn away from those things and go another way. It means not to beat yourself up, not to get into condemnation, but whenever you need, whenever the Holy Spirit is nudging you that, oh, maybe I shouldn't hang out with those people anymore. Maybe I should unfollow those people on social media. Or maybe I, I need to do whatever the Lord is leading you as the Holy Spirit is nudging you to keep first love first. If you can remember the time that you knew the Lord the most and you see where you are now, I mean, I'm asking myself this. If I look back at the time where I feel like, yes, that is when I knew the Lord. That's when I knew I was 100% in his will and walking in his ways. And then I look at my life now. Do I look at my life now and say, praise God, I know you in a better way? Or do I say, maybe I have strayed from the path and maybe I have put some things in front of you and I have to make sure that I'm reprioritizing my life on a moment by moment life, moment by moment basis. Sometimes it's okay. Sometimes I feel like, yes, Jesus, you are the number one priority in my ministry work, in the work in the church, in my natural job, in my family. And then there's times where I feel like, I'm sorry, what was that again? What did you tell me, Jesus? Where I'm having to moment by moment put him back where he belongs, put him back in the first place. Not that he falls off the throne, but it has to be me putting him as a priority in my life, checking in with him, putting his word first, checking with the spirit to say, is that what you really told me or is that just me? So what are the things that can steal him that first place from my life, it can be busyness, idols, forgetting the point of the gospel, being distracted with controversies and current culture and trying to be right and trying to be relevant. If you put Jesus Christ first in your life, you will be relevant in culture because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So just like the church of Ephesus, that they needed to repent and come back to their first love, Praise the Lord. God has given us that opportunity that we can repent. We can turn from the things that have clogged up our thinking, that have distracted us like Martha was distracted. And we can come back to him and we can ask him. We can ask him to help us, to keep him first, to show us where we need to make this attitude adjustment. So I can ask him to give me the desire to desire him more than anything else. So some scriptures that have helped me when I feel like I've strayed from the path, from keeping him first. One of those scriptures is Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon 5.16. It says, his mouth is sweetness itself and he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved and this is my friend. And Song of Solomon 7.10, I belong to my beloved and his desire is for me. Meditating on the fact that Jesus, he is my beloved and his desire is for me all the time, to come to him all the time, any time that he wants to spend time with me. It refocuses my life that his mouth is sweetness itself, that he always has a word for me, that he always is speaking to me. 
and that it's going to be good. Job 23, 12 says, but he knows the way that I take and he has tested me and I will come forth as gold and my feet have followed closely to his steps and I have kept his ways without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips and I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily food. And sometimes I'll tell you, when I read these scriptures, it is not real in my mind. It is not what I'm feeling. But as we begin to read these things, God takes the junk out of our heart, the priorities of the day, and somehow the revelation of his word, it comes by the power of the Holy Spirit, and it takes out that junk, and it makes me, and it rearranges my desires to desire him to desire my first love and then another scripture is jeremiah 15 16 when your words came i ate them and they were my joy and my heart's delight for i bear your name lord god almighty his word is sustaining me he is sustaining me by the words of his mouth in John 4, 34 it says my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. It is our food. It is what's sustaining me. These are the scriptures that sustain me when I'm feeling hungry, when I'm feeling thirsty, when I'm feeling like I want attention from people, when I feel like, ah, oh, there's something that just isn't there, that desire for the Lord just isn't there. These are the scriptures, Song of Solomon 7 and Job 23, 12, Jeremiah 15, 16, John 4, 34. My food is to do his will. I can't live a day without him. So the last scripture that I want to go to is Revelations 7 and verse 15. And therefore they are before the throne of God to serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter him with his presence. And they will never hunger again. And they will never thirst again. This is a picture of heaven, but this is also a picture for us now. When we come back to our first love, when we spend time in his presence, that is where we are satisfied. That is how I can prioritize my life, is when I keep his presence first. So these scriptures have helped me to keep me from the busyness of life, the distractions of life. When I'm feeling distracted, busy, anxious, it's like an alarm going off saying, Kara, there is something that is out of balance in your life and you need to go back to your first love. What are those scriptures? Where was that place where you knew that he was 100% yours, when your heart was 100% his? And going back to these scriptures and telling myself and meditating on them that his words are like my food and that when I'm feeling hungry and thirsty spiritually that only he will satisfy me not the busyness of life not the fulfillment of trying to do ministry not a relationship not another job not something else I can buy at the store or at the mall or online none of those are going to satisfy but my first love so as Jesus was talking to the, the church of Ephesus You've done amazing things. You haven't gotten weary. You haven't quit. But remember, come back to your first love. Repent and do the things you did at first. And today I'm saying, make that adjustment. Make that adjustment. If you, if the Lord is speaking to you right now that you have left your first love, 
that excitement that I can't wait to get up in the morning and spend time with Him, or at night before I go to bed, that excitement, that desire, that hunger and thirst. Reawaken that with repentance and His Word and His Spirit. They're gonna come to you and you will be able to adjust your attitude. And from that adjustment attitude where He is first in your life, then the work will flow so beautifully and so naturally that that is what is going to attract people more than any program, better than any program, more than any financial gift that you could ever give, more than any other fancy word that you could give. But it's when you take that presence you receive from Him and give it to others that truly the first love will be revealed in us to others. So thank you for listening to the Words in Season podcast. Remember that every time we open the Word of God, that Jesus has a word in season for you.